This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's November the 7th, 2023. Chilly one here. Um, I apologize for not being here yesterday, but uh, just woke up and felt like I had been dragged through a keyhole. We've got fires, uh, wildfires going on. Um, they're not like right in town. They're several miles from here, but there's about 2,200 acres uh, burning not far from here. So the air has been filled with smoke. Uh, you, you walk outside, it uh, not the most pleasant smell in the world, and uh, it just—I think it would just got to my throat, and I just uh, was really struggling. My throat is still killing me this morning, but uh, we're going to work through it. We got the, we got coffee going, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get through the show. So. Uh, I definitely want to do today's show. There was so much happening in Major League Baseball yesterday that uh, that we needed to talk about. Um, and we get start with uh, the hiring of Craig Council uh, away from the Milwaukee Brewers by the Chicago Cubs. And what makes this the most shocking was the fact that they decided to fire David Ross so that they could hire Craig Council. And you know this is this is a tough one. Now, it, look on the face of it, in in four years, David Ross didn't have a winning record in Chicago. Uh, they really kind of folded down the stretch this year. They finished over five hundred, but uh, they looked like they were in pretty good playoff position. And the last uh, month of the season, uh, they just weren't very good. And you know the thing is, is that look, I. I I'm not I'm not saying that this is a bad hire but at the same time I'm not sure that this is going to be a difference maker with the Cubs perhaps I'm wrong I mean you got to give counsel the credit that in Milwaukee he was working on a team or working for a team that didn't like to spend a lot of money and he was still you know 80 plus games over 500 in his his time there. He's the all-time wins leader in games managed in Milwaukee history. But it was look, this guy isn't, you know, the second coming of, uh, you know, Casey Stengel or uh, you know, whoever you want to use as your gold standard for baseball managers. I mean, he's, he's no Terry Francona, you know, and not only did he get the job in Chicago, but he is now the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball history. And I don't – look, you know, again, you know, Chicago, they, they got to do what they got to do, and they have a fan base just like Boston does, just like the Yankees do, just like the Mets do and the Dodgers. And, you know, they're not going to accept not making the playoffs. And they made the playoffs on a regular basis with Milwaukee, 
they made the playoffs five out of the six years. But they never went anywhere in the playoffs. You know, that's the biggest knock on him is that they would get to the playoffs. They won three NL Central titles. But more often than not, it was a first-round bounce in the playoffs. So maybe it'll be different in Chicago. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're going to have more money to spend. They, you know, they. Uh, I, I, you can't say they have better players. <laughs> you know, I mean, Milwaukee finished ahead of them. Unless, unless Chicago's looking at it as, look, we had better players and Craig Council was the difference. You know, I don't know. Um, but Council was wanted by a lot of teams. He interviewed with Cleveland. Uh, he interviewed with the Mets. And I think, but I and I think the deciding factor here was he wanted to stay in the Midwest. Now he still could have gone, you know, to Cleveland. But I think he's probably looking at the Cleveland situation as Cleveland spends less money than Milwaukee. And do I want to go to another organization that's going to lowball everything, or do I want to go to Chicago where they have money to spend? I have a, susp- a suspicion that's where this uh, was the deciding factor because he could have, you know, Cleveland's still, you know, essentially in the Midwest as well. So you could have gotten away because uh, he has uh, sons that play uh, baseball in college. One of them is in Minnesota, the other's in Michigan. So, um, I mean, you know, I, I feel badly for David Ross, and David Ross, a very popular figure in Chicago. And I, he immediately, his name was brought up as a possibility for the opening in San Diego. You know, um, you know who knows? But I, I don't know, you know, does Craig Council, if you're a Cub fan, does Craig Council move the needle for you? Is this the guy that you think is the difference between them making the playoffs and not? You know, I think when you look at the Milwaukee Brewers this past year, and what did they finish? I think they won, uh, what, 83 games? But they finished nine games back of Milwaukee. But they were right in the wild card hunt. I mean, they finished a game out of the wild card, right? So they were were right there to the last day of the season. You know, was David Ross the factor here? I you look, I think you have to look at a few things. You have to look at you know a couple of guys you had in your rotation that you know you didn't get what you thought. I mean, Jamison Tyon, people thought that he was going to be a great addition after what he had done in New York, and uh, you know he had an ERA of almost five. Drew Smiley had an ERA of five and made you know twenty five starts this year. So, uh, you know, was that the difference? I mean, look, they they had a great fight. You know, the young kid, Justin Steele, was great. Marcus Stroman was okay. Still walks too many guys for my liking. But his strikeout numbers were down. But, you know, he still had an ERA under four. But, you know, didn't give you really what you expected. Kyle Hendricks, when he was healthy had a great year, but you look at, you know, two-fifths of that rotation in Tyon and Smiley, and you go, hmm, 
You know, I don't know. You know, and they tried other people in there. The kid Wesneski, he struggled when he was put in the rotation. So, I mean, I think you have to look at that. I mean, um, you know, and they didn't hit the ball especially well. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Dansby Swanson had a, an okay year, but he only hit 240, 245. Won a gold glove, which is great. Played great shortstop. You know, and Cody Bellinger was, you know, he was the hero of that team. It was Bellinger. And, you know, and maybe part of this is Ross because there was a time they took Suzuki out of the lineup. And, you know, when you look at the the numbers at the end of the year, uh, Seiya Suzuki was probably their second or third best um Offensive threat on that team. So, you know, I maybe they felt that Ross just, you know, maybe they think counsel's the difference. Well, I hope so for their case because they're paying $8 million a year. Five years, $40 million for a manager. That's insane. So I, I hope he's everything they want him to be. You know, and, and I hope that Craig Council can turn around if they make the playoffs. I mean, the Milwaukee lost nine of their last ten postseason games. Oh, and by the way, Drew Smiley decided not to opt out of his contract, so he's coming back, right? He, you know, he's going to make $10.5 bucks. Um, So, you know, look, and Jed Hoyer made this decision. It's not the first time he's done this, by the way. I'm trying. I think didn't he fire Rick Renteria to bring in Joe Madden, right? And it was you know there was no sign that that was necessarily going to happen. Renteria was under contract. Next thing you know, you know, all of a sudden, boom, he's gone, and here's here is uh, Joe Madden. It, now that one worked out. Right? I mean, they went to the playoffs four times with Madden. They went to the NLCS three times. They won it once, got to the World Series, and won the World Series in 2016. So that one worked out. So maybe Jed Hoyer is looking at, I can catch lightning in a bottle again, and Craig Council will be the guy to lead us to the promised land. I Look, I hope for their sake it does. I mean, I have, you know, I mean, if you're a Cub fan, though, I'm just wondering, you know, does it move the needle? You know, I think about all the, the Red Sox fans. There are a lot of Red Sox fans that don't like Alex Cora. Now, I happen to think Alex Cora is a pretty good manager. I question his bullpen management sometimes. But I think, you know, as, as a tactician goes and, and a guy that knows how to deal with the personalities and deal with the lineup, I think, look, they did better this last year than I thought they had any right to considering what they had. And the mess that they had for a pitching staff, I thought he did a great job. You know, but if you're a Red Sox fan and you don't like Alex Cora, tell me who would move the needle for you, right? I don't know that there's, you know, uh, Terry Francona was the guy that is the gold standard of managers these days, uh, along with uh, Bruce Bochy, who came out of retirement, and Dusty Baker, who came out of retirement and then went right back into retirement again. But, you know, I, I guess, I mean, is Craig Council, I guess, is he the hot name? He and Tori Lavulo, I guess, down in Arizona are the hot names. And Tori Lavulo just signed a contract extension to keep him in Arizona through 2026. 
So I guess, you know, if you're the Cubs and you feel you need to make a move and you feel that Ross isn't the guy to get you there, who else is out there? And there really isn't anybody, I guess. So, I mean, but, man, $8 million bucks a year for a manager. Holy smokes. Um, and uh, Cleveland turns around and signs a guy who has never managed a day in either the major leagues or the minor leagues to be their new manager, to replace a legend in Terry Francona. Stephen Vogt. And I look, I don't know that I'm not saying that this is a bad hire. Um, when his name first came up, I was like, I thought it was interesting. Um, he just retired two years ago, where last year, right? He retired at the end of 2022, hit a home run in his last game, which was kind of cool for when he was playing for Oakland. But he's a guy that played for 10 years in the majors, kicked or played for six different teams. But he is a guy that is respected by people that he played for. Bob Melvin um, was a big fan. Bruce Bochy is a big fan of Stephen Vogt. And they always said that they felt like this is a guy that would be a manager one day. You know, back when uh, when Bochy was with the Giants, he always said, you know, that he's I could see him managing. So, interesting. I mean, you know, and look, uh, uh, <laughs> Cleveland's a mess. You know, they don't spend any money. And the injury bug hit them badly last year. Now, he'll, there'll be a honeymoon period. It's not like they're going to expect him to step in there and, you know, uh, make the playoffs right away. How many times are we going to hear the narrative this year, this coming year, that, well, you know, uh, this is a mistake there by the rookie manager. You know, you know, he's really – he's learning on the job kind of thing. You know, so – and that will work for a year. But that's about it. You know, and, you know, does he have some good young players? Of course he does. I mean, the kid uh, uh, Tanner Bibby is up for rookie of the year in the American League. I mean, he was really, really good when he came up this year. Shane Bieber has been dealing with injuries, but when he's healthy, he's still, you know, a top-tier pitcher. Uh, you know, Logan Allen was pretty good this year for a while. Cal Quantrill, they got to figure out what, you know, what what's going on with him. You know, and then they had the whole distraction with uh, uh, I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Tristan McKenzie being hurt. I mean, it was so bad they had Noah Syndergaard for a while. Lucas Giolito, I mean, you know, they just, this is a team that really struggled with injuries and trying to find the right combination this year. You know, they've got a great second baseman in Andres Jimenez who just won the gold glove. You know, and Jose Ramirez is, you know, a threat. You know, Josh Bell still has some pop in that bat when he's healthy. You know, but a lot of these, you know, I, I just don't know. Stephen Kwan's a nice player, but, you know, when, when you're talking about a corner outfielder, you expect a little bit more power out of your corner outfield. Look, I like the kid. You know, he, he hit 270, 
But, I mean, you're, you expect more than five homers and 54 runs batted in out of one of your corner outfielders in 158 games. So, you know, he's a nice player. But, and, but you know, and the thing with, with Cleveland is they don't have a lot of money to spend. And so their payroll was in the lower third of Major League Baseball this year, and their record reflected that. You know, you can get away with it. You know, when you have some young kids come up and, and do some great things, but sustaining that is a problem, which makes what the Tampa Bay Rays have done for years absolutely amazing because they don't spend money either, but they seem to find ways to continue to get it done. Even with all the injuries that Tampa had this year, they still were were battling for the uh, AL East title right to the final month of the season. Cleveland hasn't been able to do that, and they have had their share of uh, injuries. But, I, look, you know, I like Stephen Vogt as a player because he was just one of those lunch pail kind of guys. So uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how he does there. I think the players are going to love him, um, and, you know, we'll see what kind of honeymoon he gets and what kind of reception he gets in Cleveland. Um this the other hiring yesterday was curious to me and 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 I'm, and again I'm not saying that this is a bad hire but the New York Mets you know with that 360 million dollar payroll last year you would expect them to go for a name now they did you know they obviously they did uh, interview Craig Council, but they weren't willing to come up with the money that uh, that the Cubs did to to, uh, to pay them, and they ended up hiring the Yankee bench coach Carlos Mendoza. Now Carlos Mendoza has never managed above Class A, and that was all the way back in 2012. Now he's managed in the the Venezuelan Winter League the last couple of years, but this is a guy that has never managed above Class A. In the United States, um, he's been the bench coach for Aaron Boone with the Yankees for the last four years. I'm not sure, frankly, what a badge of honor that is, other than it's the Yankees. But you know, it's not like the Yankees have been uh, setting the world on fire. But Carlos Mendoza is the new manager of the Mets, and I guess if you're Steve Cohen you, you, and David Stearns in New York, I guess you look at it this way: Well, we had a name. Right? We had Buck Showalter. How did that work out for us? You know what I mean? Uh, So, you know, maybe they figured that uh, having somebody that's used to being in New York will help. The difference is this. Being the bench coach for Aaron Boone is all well and good. And, yeah, you're in the New York market and you, you know what the pressure's like in New York. But... There's a big difference between when the game is over and being the bench coach and being able to go back to the clubhouse and just kind of go about your business than being the guy that's in charge in New York and when the game is over, having to go and do a press conference uh, in front of tons of reporters and answer hard questions. Not saying he can't, but this is a guy that – It just seems strange to me that your first go-round as a major league manager would be there. 
And you know, and by the way, you know, the, the, you know, the other thing is, is he wasn't even a a, a big name major league player, which doesn't matter. I mean, he he played in the minors for like ten seasons, um, and played independent ball for a while. But at least when the Mets were considering hiring Carlos Beltran before the whole cheating scandal came out in Houston. You know, at least Carlos Beltran was a very good Major League Baseball player and highly respected and a guy that you just felt like could could do it because he'd played there, right? Um, so I just thought it was a curious hiring. Again, not saying it's the wrong hire, but it's just interesting. You know, and I guess of the three hires we're talking about, I guess Craig Council is the biggest slam dunk one as far as the Cubs go. But, man, that's a lot of money and a team that has a lot of holes. Now, if they're like the Red Sox and they're going to open up the purse strings, then, you know, maybe some things will change. We'll see. Uh, The other part of the Mets yesterday, Adam Adovino declined his player option, uh, so he will be uh, out of there. Um, And uh, the Mets exercised their option on Brooks Raley uh, yesterday, and uh, and then some guys like uh, John Curtis and Tim LaCastro uh, were outright uh, were outright at the AAA. They refused the assignment, so they're going to become free agents as well. So we shall see what happens in in the Mets. But I just think this is a curious signing. Now, the one thing we do know, as you know, uh, there, he's going to have lots of toys to play with because you know it didn't work out last year with having. You know, uh, all those big names there and and having Verlander and having Scherzer and, you know, it ended up being a disaster. But that doesn't mean Steve Cohen's going to suddenly turn around and become the Tampa Bay Rays. They're still going to spend money and he's still going to have lots of of bullets in the gun. So we shall see uh, what happens as far as that goes. Uh, And uh, this wasn't a managerial move, but a front office move yesterday. The Miami Marlins found their replacement for Kim Ang. And they have hired Peter Bendix from the Tampa Bay Rays. And this, to me, now this is a move that, if you're Miami, makes perfect sense. You're a team that doesn't spend money. The Tampa, Ray, the Tampa Bay Rays do not spend money. And yet they are at the top of the standings year after year after year. Now, of course, some of that is because they have an incredible manager in Kevin Cash, who I, I, I think – uh, and when I was mentioning, men, mentioning big-name managers the other day, I forgot to mention Kevin Cash because he's still not a big name th- despite the success that they have. But I think he's the best manager in baseball. But Bendix uh, is a guy. He's coming over from Tampa. He was the senior vice president for baseball operations and the general manager for Tampa. Um, and uh, he's been with that organization for a long time. He's only 38 years old. And they are going to ask him to replicate the success he had with the Rays. He was there for 15 years, started out as an intern. And he's been the head guy there for a couple of years now. But he has been intimately involved uh, with everything that's going on in Tampa. And it's, you know, Miami's going to expect him to do the same thing. And, you know, Miami's got Luisa Rice coming back. Now, they're not going to have their ace of their staff, Sandy Alcantara, who had, had surgery on his elbow and, frankly, wasn't very good this year beforehand, which probably was your first sign there was something uh, wrong with the elbow. Josh Bell is going to be back. He decided not to opt out of his contract. So, um, 
they'll still have that big bat uh, in the middle of their lineup. Uh, John Birdie's still going to be there. So, you know, they've got some pieces. Now they need to do what Tampa always does is is to find those complementary pieces that don't cost any money that will allow them to compete. And they competed this year. Right? I mean, you know, that's the thing with Miami is that despite everything and playing in the NL East with the Mets and the Phillies and the Braves, they still made the playoffs with their payroll. They finished ahead of the Mets by a by nine games. So, you know, it's not like the cupboard's empty there. And if Bendix can replicate his success in Miami that he did in Tampa, he'll become the hottest general manager in baseball, and anytime there's an opening, somebody is going to want him once his contract is up. I, I did not see how long the contract is that they gave him, um, but he is going, if, if he can replicate that success in Miami, uh, he is going to be you know, a kind of general manager that is named uh, like guys like Theo Epstein and guys like Dave Dombrowski and, you know, the, the guys that are kind of the legends in the sport, um, if he can do it there. Two teams that don't spend money. And and you know what? Wouldn't bet against them. 32 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. we got a little bit more baseball news, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, Monday Night Football last night, the Celtics, the Bruins, uh, college basketball opened up. So we'll get to all that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a uh, Tuesday morning. Some Basically some uh, uh, some bookkeeping and some house cleaning for a lot of teams coming up. Of course, the first day to sign free agents started yesterday at 5 o'clock. It was also the last day where teams could um, decide on a team uh team options on players as well as give qualifying offers so all that came down yesterday and uh there were seven players who got qualifying offers yesterday now what does that mean it means that uh if they get signed by another team there will be draft pick compensation and they they figure it out uh it's basically the average of the top 125 contracts by average annual value so the qualifying offer for this year i think was uh uh, $20.3 million. And the players that were extended those offers were uh, Otani, of course, Cody Bellinger from the Cubs, Josh Hader and Blake Snell from San Diego, Aaron Nola from Philly, uh, Sonny Gray in Minnesota, and Matt Chapman in Toronto. And all seven are expected to turn them down. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't still re-sign with their clubs because that qualifying offer is a one-year deal. It would mean that, you know, if they said yes, they would take the 20 mil and then they would uh, uh, be with that team for another year. But, it you know, now they can negotiate with the teams uh, to try to get a multi-year contract or they can take their services elsewhere. Uh, and we all know that uh, guys like Blake Snell and Aaron Nola are going to be probably the hottest commodities outside of Shohei Otani because he's just on another planet. Uh, but outside of Otani, those two guys are going to be the most coveted players, I would think, this year, along with the kid Yamamoto for the, who's going to be posted from Japan uh, because teams need pitching. I mean, the Red Sox are, you know, that's 
Exhibit A. And the Cubs, same thing. I mean, the Cubs, if they had some better starting pitching, you know, maybe don't fold down the stretch. But everybody wants pitching. The question is, what are you willing to pay? We know Otani's going to go for God, you know. People are speculating that he could go for as much as $50 million a year, which is insane. And I understand that he is what they're calling a unicorn. He is the the Babe Ruth of our time, except that Babe Ruth didn't hit and pitch in the same season. Uh, He was either a pitcher and he would occasionally play the outfield or he was just a hitter who who never pitched. You know, when he went to the Yankees, uh, he was an outfielder. He, didn't, I think he pitched two or three times as a Yankee. That was it. So, uh, you know, he didn't do what Otani has done on a consistent basis. Now, the problem is Shoei Otani has had two Tommy John surgeries. He can't pitch in 2024. Now, he'll come back and pitch in 2025. But uh, And as, a, as a, uh, a batter, he's strictly a DH, which is fine. Everybody needs a DH. I get that. But when you've had two Tommy John surgeries, if you are a team looking to sign him, are you really considering shelling out $50 million a year knowing that there is a chance in 2025 when he pitches again that that elbow could blow and then his pitching career could be over and then you have essentially purchased yourself a $50 million designated hitter? Think about that for a minute. That is a huge gamble. Otani is what thirty-one years old. He's not a you know he's not a kid. So, do you feel if you're the Red Sox, do you feel like hey yeah let's do this? I don't. Yeah, everybody says well the Red Sox should talk about Shohei Otani and you know every you know, the Yankees and the Dodgers. But I'm just I'll tell you what if I'm Craig Breslow and I'm the ownership of the Red Sox. I'm not willing to do that. I would much rather take uh, a little less, like 35 to $40 million a year, and sign a 25-year-old Juan Soto. Try to get him from the Padres in a trade, and the Red Sox have enough uh, capital in their minors to do that. And then if you could do that and extend Soto, that's where I'd spend my money. It would not be on a guy that's had two Tommy John surgeries and is a designated hitter other than that. It just seems too risky to me. Now, I'm sitting in my office in Western North Carolina in my studio, and, and uh, you know, people are going to say, well, hell, you know, what do you know? And, and he may sign and he may pitch for another six, seven, eight years and be great. But, man, that's, uh, that's a big risk. So, anyway, so those guys who got qualifying offers, um, the Atlanta Braves yesterday exercised their $20 million option on Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, uh, 30 starts last year. He's going to be 40 years old in November, but he made 30 starts as a 39-year-old, went 14-12 and 12 with a 3.64 ERA. You know what? Again, with the dearth of pitching in Major League Baseball and, and seeing what guys like Verlander and Scherzer have been able to do in their careers later on, uh, I think that that it's a a good a good deal for Atlanta. Uh, they declined their option on Eddie Rosario, uh, Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates. The only one of those that surprised me really was Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates was pretty good. Uh, I know he you know he had uh, uh, a couple of rough patches, but he pitched to 
you know, a pretty good ERA out of that bullpen, and I think he made like 50 or so appearances. So I was a little bit surprised by that one. Uh, Miami uh, declined their options on Johnny Cueto and Matt Barnes. Not a surprise there. Um, Matt Canna had his option picked up by Detroit. Of course, they just acquired him from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, so Canna's going to make $11.5 million bucks in 2024. And, and to the surprise of no one, uh, Javier Baez, who signed that huge contract uh, with Detroit and had an opt-out in uh, this year, decided not to opt-out and is going to uh, collect $25 bucks this year to continue to play for the Tigers. There's no shock there because he hit two 22 with nine homers and 59 runs batted in this past season. Oh, man, talk about a bad contract. And, you know, there was one was as bad as he was, there was no doubt he was going to not opt out because where the hell else is he going to go? Uh, the Yankees yesterday cut Domingo Herman. Five months ago, Domingo Herman threw a perfect game. Uh, but then he ran into some trouble with the uh, the umpires. He got a 10-game suspension because he uh, was using a band uh, sticky thing, uh, you know, in his fingers on the mound. Uh, and then uh, he entered alcohol rehab. And he's also a guy that has been suspended twice for violating the domestic violence policy in Major League Baseball, you know, so they wanted to outright him to the minors. He refused, so they cut him. And look, this this doesn't rise to the same level as a Trevor Bauer in terms of, uh, you know, the accusations and, and, and whatnot and the bad PR. But if you are a team... Are you going to consider, you know, uh, signing a guy who's been suspended for 81 games for domestic violence and who has been in rehab and who has been suspended for cheating by using a sticky substance? You know, again, that's a that could be a potential PR nightmare. You know, and people, you know, and and you know, people are pretty much. United on the front that they don't think Trevor Bauer is ever going to pitch in Major League Baseball again. And Trevor Bauer still has a lot of, you know, still has a lot of talent. But, you know, and he was never charged with a crime, and we all know all that, but, and he'll, and he says everything was consensual. But at the end of the day, the stuff that <laughs> that's considered consensual, most per- people will go, ha, huh, Really? Ooh, you know, and it's like it's even if it's not even if it nothing ha- illegal happened, it was creepy, it was violent, and it's not necessarily the kind of thing you want attached to your team. So, I'm not sure he will ever pitch again. And, you know, Domingo Herman, as I said, isn't rising to quite that level, but when you look at all the stuff going against him, you wonder you know, if we will see him uh, in Major League Baseball. He, now, he may pitch again, but I, it may be a while before he gets another opportunity. Uh, and uh, the last thing in baseball, we're going to take one more break and come back and uh, do some other stuff. Um, Tristan Casas was named a finalist for the Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, that award's going to go uh, 
to Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles. I, I love Christian Casas, but Gunnar Henderson uh, is a much better defender than Tristan Casas is. And, you know, Casas' numbers were better offensively, but Gunnar Henderson is a complete package. And, and I'm not to say Tristan Casas can't become a better first baseman, but Gunnar Henderson uh, was a much better uh, defensive player than Casas was. So I expect that he will probably uh, uh, win this award. But it's nice for, for Casas, and he's also the first Red Sox rookie since Andrew Benintendi back in 2017. Uh, to be named a finalist. So that was kind of cool for him. It's 45 minutes past the hour. One more break. We're going to come back and talk uh, NFL football, a little hockey, a little basketball. Uh, You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. So the magical run for the New York Jets ends last night. Uh, They fall to the Los Angeles Chargers 27-6. Zach Wilson got sacked eight times last night. Eight times. The Jets fumbled the ball four times. Uh, you know, because of the pressure that the Chargers uh, front seven were putting on Zach Wilson. Look, the Chargers have the worst pass defense in football. They weren't able to take advantage of it because Zach Wilson was running for his life or just having to get the ball out quick. Look, he, he still threw for 263 yards, didn't throw a pick, didn't throw any touchdown passes either. But uh, And it's probably a testament to him that he didn't throw any interceptions with the pressure that he was getting. Joey Bosa had two and a half six sacks by himself. Khalil Mack was everywhere last night for the Chargers. Um, he had a couple of sacks himself. So, uh, look. The Jets are still four and four, and without Aaron Rodgers, that's that's just amazing. It really is. Uh, by the way, Aaron Rodgers was on the field before the game last night, throwing the football, and not just throwing the football. Uh, he was stepping into the passes, and he has said he wants to come back before the end of the year. He is making remarkable progress, but they are not going to risk this. Look, if they. Uh, uh, win a few more games and get themselves in a position where, you know, come week 15, week 16, they've got a chance to make the playoffs. Maybe. Maybe. And right now they are a playoff fringe team, just like the Chargers are at best, right? But um, And they've got the Raiders coming up Sunday night. And, you know, the Raiders stink, although the Raiders still have four wins this year, and they absolutely tuned up the Giants last week. Um so, you know, if you beat the Raiders and you're 5 and 4, you know, you still got a long way to go though. And then you look at their schedule going forward after that. They got to play Buffalo and Miami. And you're like, "Oh crap." And then you know, they got the Falcons, which is a winnable game, but then they got to play Houston. And Houston was CJ what CJ Stroud is doing in Houston is ridiculous. Five touchdown passes last week. You know, and then you got Miami again. Their schedule does not play out well. They finished the season against New England, but you know, look, they look like right now a 500 team. That's not going to be good enough to make the playoffs. So, I don't know that we will see Aaron Rodgers. I really think it's going to depend on whether this team is in the hunt or not. You know, the Chargers again on the fringe, they you know, they're going to get a rude awakening. They've got the Lions coming in on Sunday and Lions can throw the football. Lions can run the football. And I, the Chargers are in deep trouble uh, next week. Uh, by the way, uh, Justin Herbert completed his 1,500th pass of his career uh, in his 57th game. That is an NFL record. That's faster than Patrick Mahomes or Matthew Stafford did it. Uh, they did it in 62 games. Now, 
Herbert did not have a great game last night. Uh, he only threw for like 136 yards. But uh, still, 1,500 career completions in 57 games. Pretty impressive. Uh, the Bruins win last night. They extend uh, that great start. They've only lost once in regulation all year. They were playing a very good Dallas Stars team that came in uh, uh, with just two losses last night. And the Bruins beat them 3-2. to two. Um, Just a great performance last night. Uh, they took a 3-1 lead on a power play goal by Brad Marchand midway through the third period. Uh, Joe Pavelski got one in the final 30 seconds to make it look close. But uh, a great job by Jeremy Swayman in goal last night. 35 saves because the Dallas offense was just relentless. Uh, first career goals last night for John Beecher, uh, Mason Lowry, which is pretty cool. Lowry's, by the way, the first, I believe, the first NHL player ever from Louisiana. Uh, John Beecher is a guy who was the number one draft pick for the Bruins back in 2019. Uh, so uh, nice job by him last night and by Lowry. They got the Bruins out to a 2 nothing lead at the end of one, and uh, they beat the Dallas Stars. So a big win for them, 10-1-1. Uh, and one. 21 points, a six-point six lead over the Detroit uh, Red Wings already here at the start of this season. They are right now – they have the most, well, second most points behind just the uh, Vegas Golden Knights because that's because Vegas has played one more game. Uh, the Celtics lose their first game of the season last night, 114-109 to in overtime to the Timberwolves, and that's uh, Anthony Edwards um, was unbelievable last night. The Celtics just had no answer for him last night. 38 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, uh, just phenomenal. Took 25 shots last night. Um, You know, and look, Jason Tatum tried his hardest. He had 32. Jalen Brown had 26. But when the Celtics needed those guys to come up big in overtime, they didn't. You know, unfortunately, what we saw last night in overtime was both those guys have a tendency. They love to play. One-on-one basketball, you know, they call it iso ball. You know, like everybody clear out, this is mine. And they commit stupid turnovers, and they did it twice in the overtime last night in a in a two-point game and ended up costing them the game. Look, they weren't going to go undefeated. And as Joe Mazzula said, he said, uh, you know, it's a lesson. You know, uh, it was a great game, um, but, you know, he thought I competed. He thought we competed, but, uh, you know, their defensive toughness was better than our offensive toughness last night. And uh, the Celtics committed too many turnovers. They had nine of them in the first half. Couldn't throw it in the ocean from three-point range in the first half. So, again, you knew they weren't going undefeated, but uh, uh, they go down against Minnesota last night in overtime. College basketball opened up last night. couple of shockers. How about this in men's basketball? James Madison. Now, James Madison right now is uh, playing – uh, they, they moved up to the bowl division series in college football this year and is undefeated, and they're, like, ranked 21st in in, the, in football. Uh, and last night their basketball team beats number four Michigan State 79-76 in overtime. It's just the second win in program history over a top 25 team. The last time they did it, 1992 when they beat California on a neutral court in East Rutherford, New Jersey. They did this on Michigan State's home floor. 
They jumped out to a 13-point lead. They had a 13-point lead. Michigan State had 12 points with six minutes to go in the first half. Holy cow. Terrence Edwards with 24 points and uh, Raquan Horton uh, with a big bucket with nine seconds left in overtime to give James Madison that win. That is awesome. And by the way, you know, it's not going to be in the story, but James Madison got paid to go to Michigan State. This was one of those uh, guarantee games, you know, having been in Division One for a long time, that happens. You know, hey, we'll pay you, you know, 50 grand, come pay us, and, you know, because the, the idea is is you're going to roll over and die and give our guys some early season confidence. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. Another shocker last night in women's basketball, number one LSU loses to number 20 Colorado rather convincingly, 92-78. to 78. Excuse me. They are the first defending uh, women's basketball champion since UConn back in 1995-96 to lose their opening game. And it's only the fourth time it's ever happened in women's basketball history. So a absolute shocker last night as LSU goes down. What was not a shocker, uh, South Carolina, who has retooled, they played against Notre Dame. A game in Paris last night, by the way. My buddy... Uh, uh, Jason Sutter was out there working the game in Paris, which is kind of cool. But uh, South Carolina tuned up number 10 North Carolina last night, 100-71. to So South Carolina is uh, already making noise that they are not going to be ignored after losing uh, in the semifinals uh, to Iowa last season. And the defending men's champion, UConn, opened up last night against Northern Arizona. No trouble there. They win at 95-52. Uh, Alex Caraban with a career-high 22 points. Donovan Klingen. Uh, the big kid, seven footer, two hundred and sixty pounds, uh, had been injured in the preseason. Only played fifteen minutes last night, but had twelve points, eight rebounds, three block shots in fifteen minutes. Uh, not bad, not bad. And uh, some of the uh, new freshmen for UConn made themselves known as well. Uh, uh, Stefan Castle with uh, twelve points in nineteen minutes, and uh, UConn is going to be a handful in the Big East this year, no question about it. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Luke Combs because uh, one of my favorite, I'm, you know I'm more of a big classic country music guy, uh, but Luke Combs, one of the new guys, that's, uh, just uh, has all the right, uh, right sounds for me. Here's Luke Combs, When It Rains, It Pours. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.